You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. And so the Mets were able to salvage one win in Atlanta on Thursday night. Uh, They scored a ton of runs and uh, the game ended up being a little bit closer than you would have liked as Drew Gagneau just pitched himself off the Mets roster for probably the rest of the season. But going to get into all of that in the first half of the podcast. Later on in the show, I'm going to talk about what's ahead for the Mets as they hit the road to face the Kansas City Royals and where they stand in the wild card race. Also going to touch on Ahmed Rosario and his great performance at the plate, as well as Juan Lagares over the last couple of days. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsBrizedOnline.com. Great site for you to check out covering all things New York Mets. Alright, so when the lineup card came out for Thursday, it was a little bit puzzling. You had Joe Panic in the two-hole and J.D. Davis hitting sixth, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and so I could critique it, but the lineup went out and produced 10 runs. So you know what? Maybe Mickey Calloway was right. What do I know? The one thing I will say is he had this comment that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way where he talked about analytics and he was asked about it and he said, we really discard analytics about 85% of the time, which is just ludicrous. And he said, that's just stuff that they put on paper. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. Analytics is the way this game has been going for a long time. And it's really naive to just write it off as, oh, that's something that we do on paper. And right here with the New York Mets, you know, three games over 500, we're doing it right. When you see teams like, um, you know, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Rays, the Yankees, all these teams embracing the analytics. And those are the teams that are already eclipsing 80 wins in the middle of August. So analytics are the way the game is going, and to just simply ride them off is pretty ridiculous. But I've been giving you a hard time, Mickey. That's it. Other than that, great job Thursday. No other complaints. Now the Mets did exactly what they needed to do in that first inning to get themselves back on track. Ahmed Rosario had a great night, hit a double to lead the game off. Joe Panic got a base hit, and then Pete Alonso came through with his 39th home run of the season hitting one into that fountain or pool thing they have out there in center field at SunTrust Park. For Alonzo, he just tied the NL rookie record for home runs in the season, something that Cody Bellinger did a few years back. So that is a record that Alonzo should own in the coming couple of days here. Just a great rookie campaign for him. And although the Mets picked up a few more hits, they were not able to scratch any more runs in the first inning. Now in the bottom of the first... Marcus Stroman made things a little bit too interesting. He struck out the first battery face, then he got a line out, but he lost Freddie Freeman in a full count and then walked Josh Donaldson on four straight pitches. So that put two runners on, 
Brian McCann then got a base hit up the middle that Joe Panic did a nice job tracking down in the outfield so no runners could score, but the bases were then loaded and you were nervous that Stroman might just give all that run support up. Luckily, he struck out Ender Inciarte in the top of the second inning. Marcus Stroman got a base hit. Rosario tripled. Julio Tehran, who just did not have it, then walked three consecutive batters with one run coming around to score. He then gave up a base hit to Wilson Ramos. And just like that, the Mets had a 6-0 lead. And the game was basically over. There was a lot of stuff that happened after that point. But overall, that kind of just gave the Mets a win, and they just had to ride things out from there. Now, Stroman gave up home runs in the fourth inning to Matt Joyce and in the sixth inning to Josh Donaldson. So it was not a great start for him overall. He picked up the win, though, pitched five and a third, allowed four hits. One of those runs was unearned because there was a ball that Ahmed Rosario basically threw through the glove of Pete Alonso. His glove literally broke. But other than that, pretty good outing. Five strikeouts, four walks, a little bit too many. But again, Stroman gets the W, so not too much to worry about there. Pete Alonso added three more RBIs late in the game, picking up a couple more singles. For the night, he went five for five, drew a walk, had six RBIs. So a great game by him. Uh, Med Rosario was outstanding as well. He went five for six, scored four runs. Had two doubles and a triple. He was really threatening for a cycle, but he could not hit one out of the park. And other good performers up and down the lineup. Yeah, Conforto went two for five. Todd Frazier hit a home run. Wilson Ramos went a quiet four for six. Did not score any runs, only drove in one. Juan Lagares has been great out of the eight hole. He did not score a run or get an RBI, but he did go three for five. So good performance out of him. And so overall, the Mets picked up 23 hits and 10 runs. Now, Drew Gagno made this game a lot more interesting than it had it to be. He was asked to come in to basically finish things off, get those last two innings, and he gave up six hits, four home runs, five runs. They had to go to Edwin Diaz because the game got a little bit too close when Josh Donaldson's second home run of the night made the score 10-8. to But... And when Diaz came in, he walked a batter. The tying run came out to the plate, but he ultimately struck out Ender and Ciarte to end the game and picked up his 25th save of the season. So Edwin Diaz is on pace for maybe the ugliest 30-save season in baseball history, or at least that I've seen firsthand. It's been pretty bad, but they get the win. That's all that matters. Again, the score was kind of closer than the game really was. Give the Mets credit. Now, if you go back and you take you know the last six games with the National Series, the Mets walk away 500. And if you came into that stretch saying that that was going to be the result, I think you would take it. Now you got to go on the road and beat up on the Royals, which is something I will talk about when we get back from the break. But before we go into break, it is that time of year. I know for me, I got a league that's drafting this weekend. Fantasy football time and fantasy football players you got to make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to that same stuff that everyone else is listening to, ESPN, all that stuff. No, no, no. Go to the Locked On Podcast Network. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Now, wherever you're listening to this show right here, 
you'll be able to find Locked on Fantasy Football there as well, as it's available on all of your favorite podcast providers. Support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank, and Men's Journal named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Again, that promo code is locked on for 20% off at manscaped.com. All right, you are back listening to Locked On Mets, and let's talk a little bit about Ahmed Rosario because he's having some kind of a second half. In this series, he went 0 for 5 in the first game against the Braves. From that point on, after Jeff McNeil sustained that injury, Rosario was at the top of the lineup. He went 9 for 11 with two doubles and a triple, scored five runs, and drove in two. So Rosario really is picking up the slack and needs to continue to do so as he's going to be at the top of that lineup for the next couple of weeks here. And he's got to score runs. That's the point of being a leadoff hitter. Right now, Jeff McNeil is leading the team and runs scored after the All-Star break with 26, but Ahmed Rosario is now right behind with 21. Since the All-Star break, Rosario's hitting 366 with a 395 on-base percentage and a 553 slugging percentage. So he has been, again, outstanding. And on this season, his numbers are starting to look really promising. He's hitting 289 on the season. The on-base percentage is a little bit low, but not bad at 325 for a guy that really doesn't walk a lot at all. And the slugging percentage is 452. And most importantly, his OPS of 777, that is a great number for Zarya. If he can be that type of a player, an OPS over 750, for the rest of his career, he's going to be a very good shortstop for you that you can count on as a starter every single day. So you got to love someone who's still 23 years old, really starting to hit their potential. And I think that the ceiling is still high on this guy. And the ceiling has always been really high on Ahmed Rosario. And another thing is the defense has been much improved from what we saw in the first half. Now another guy I wanted to touch on really quick is Juan Magaris. His numbers have been really good since the All-Star break as well. Granted, a very small sample size, only 37 at-bats, but he's hitting 351 with a 415 on-base percentage, slugging percentage 432, OPS 847. Again, small sample size, but he definitely looks like he's putting together a lot better at-bats, and so I think he's going to be able to really be a nice piece for the Mets over the next couple weeks as they're trying to wait on guys to come back from injury. And also, he's run down some balls over the last couple days that looked like the gold glove Juan Magars. Those balls that are hit into gaps that you don't think he's going to have a chance on, or if he does have a chance, it's going to be like a spectacular diving play. But he gets such a great jump that he makes it look easy. So it's big when you have that type of a center fielder out there. It makes a world of a difference to have someone that can run down those balls in the gaps. It's stuff that you don't get when you have Michael Conforto playing center with two infielders flanking him on each sides and Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis. And if Lugaris can really play well over the next couple of weeks, he has a chance to win the starting job for the rest of the season. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get when Brandon Nimmo comes back. Jed Lowry, if he comes back, again, you don't know. Cano, Smith, all these guys, they're going to have to come back without a lot of 
playing time because the minor league season is almost over. So rehab games are going to be hard to come by. And so if you end up in a situation where Juan Lagares is swinging a good bat and he could be your starting center fielder and Jeff McNeil is playing you know, second base or some combination of third, whatever it ends up being, that is going to be good for this team. And so you got to give Lagares some credit for coming around. Let's see if he can actually remain consistent over a longer sample size. Now the Mets are about to head to Kansas City to play the Royals, and it's hard to say you have a must-sweep series. Um, it's definitely a must-win series. You can't be dropping games to the Royals, but it's almost a must-sweep. You got to go in. This is the last team that you're going to play for a month. That's under 500. Everyone else ahead of you is going to be a good baseball team. After playing the Royals, the Mets come home. They face the Indians, who have been red hot. Then they play the Braves again. We just saw how hard they can be to beat the Cubs. They come into town, so that's a really tough home stand. I think the Mets. I think the Mets have the ability to win each of those series, but they're going to be tough. And so the way I look at it, for every series you don't win, you got to sweep one. So if the Mets can sweep this series against the Royals, that lets them maybe lose one of those three series. But in the end, they have to win basically every series from here on out. They have to go on a pace where they're winning two or three games because this wildcard race has a lot of teams are going to be winning games down the stretch. There's so many teams that are in it that you can't just sneak your way into a wild card. you got to go out and you got to win it. And so we'll see what they can do. But again, this Royal series is pivotal. The Royals are 3-8 and eight in August, so they're not playing good baseball. On the season, they're 43-78. and 78. They would be a last place team, but the AL Central also has the Tigers, who are the worst team in baseball. So that can kind of explain a little bit how the Indians and the Twins are able to pile up so many wins because those two teams are really bad, and so the Mets got to do the same, especially considering the pitchers they have going. Noah Syndergaard's going to pitch Friday night. Jacob deGrom's going on Saturday night. And on Sunday, you have Zach Wheeler. So arguably, your three best pitchers are going. So again, as much as you don't want to say you have to sweep a series, this is one of the ones that they really need to capitalize on. So I know you're playing on the road. It's a team you don't play often. So sometimes that makes those series a little bit more difficult. But this team has still been playing some good baseball. And after scoring all those runs tonight, maybe they have the confidence to go in there and can really do some damage against the Royals who have some pretty bad pitching going against you as well. Now before we close out the show, I'm going to give you an updated look at the wild card standings right now. The Phillies unfortunately won against the Cubs on a walk-off grand slam by Bryce Harper. So they stayed a game ahead of the Mets. The Brewers are right there with them. The Diamondbacks are a game behind the Mets. The Giants are two games behind the Mets. And the Mets are two games out of a wild card spot. The Cubs obviously lost some ground by losing that game to the Phillies. And they're sitting in that second spot. And the Mets are now three and a half behind the Nationals who were off on Thursday. So that will be it for Locked on Mets for this week. Hopefully come Monday I'm breaking down a nice series sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Thank you for listening. Remember you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets.